things are afoot at the Circle K. chosen one to host the show, but hosting is a full-time commitment, and he's been a little distracted lately. Trinity, see what I'm talking about? Listen here, you beautiful bitch, I'm about to fuck you up with some truth. Watch the sass, Captain Sassy Pants. Yeah, you're kind of spazzing out, dude. You haven't answered my question. Yes, I did. You see, what You I... haven't answered my... I'm trying. You just need to let me talk. Why am I here? You shut up. You won't let it. No, you won't let it! I'm the one who talks! Okay, mouth shut! Ears open! You haven't had You do not want to see me get out of this chair! What's going on, everybody out there in podcast land? You have once again tuned in to the greatest podcast in the United States. You know, I had this nice little... Um, intro where I said this is the best podcast to broadcast from a spare bedroom blah 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 you know I'm it's just played out at this point so I need to come up with something different but uh that doesn't change the fact that this is the greatest podcast on the intraweb anything that you can download and listen to this is probably better than that um and if you don't think so, then you're probably the stupid one because you don't understand quality. Okay. Hmm. Hey, I'm a little bit chilled tonight, but I really wanted to do another podcast. Uh, I got a busy week at work and I'm going to be working late nights. Um, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to do another podcast um, until next weekend. So I thought, you know what, let me go ahead and, and just do a random podcast because sometimes, uh, it's fun just to crack the mic and be random. Now, unlike some of the other people that do, uh, solo podcasts from time to time, and they just turn on the mic and, um, just ramble. And you can tell they're looking at their clock, just trying to get like eke out 30 minutes so they can justify uploading. Here's the beauty of me, okay? Here's here's uh, probably one of my few talents, if you can even call it that. I can talk for a long time, and I can talk uh, circles around people. Now, I, I'm also very good at talking and never really making a point or reiterating the same point a thousand times. So one thing that I, one benefit that I have found from this podcast is when I re-listen to it, it makes me understand where I'm going wrong when I'm trying to make certain points. And probably the most I'm gonna I'm gonna um, let you behind the curtain for a second. Okay, the, the one of the most proud, um, one of the things I'm most proud of with this podcast is that there's I don't do any uh, show prep. Uh, I might have a topic. I usually do. I come up with a topic, but I don't pre-rehearse anything. I don't write anything down. I don't have a script. Um, there's a lot of podcasts that they go, they, they actually write it out or they outline what they're going to talk about and when they're going to talk about it and all that stuff. And, uh, 
there's probably a benefit to that because this kind of goes off the rails sometimes. Uh, but why am I proud of that? Well, I'm proud of that is because um, I think that, okay, let me, let me put it to you this way. I decided to do this podcast because I talk a lot <laughs> and I have a lot of opinions about most things and I think most people should. I think if, uh, if you don't have an opinion on something, um, that's okay. But if you want to be a well-informed person, okay, let me back up. Let me back up. A lot of people have opinions and they're, they're dog shit (laughs) because they don't know anything, like absolutely anything. And I don't like research things, but here's, okay, here's what I'm trying to get at. Okay. I'm trying to pay myself a compliment here. What I think I bring to the table, and maybe I haven't fully um, got to this point in this podcast. I know it's a long process, but this is what I'm trying to get to by doing these episodes. Is I know that I have common sense. I said in the previous podcast that I'm a common sense genius, and I think I can look at most, you know, political things and news stories and things like that, and I can have a a, a pretty nuanced opinion by knowing the basic facts. And then just using common sense. I think people overthink some of the complexities in the world. And they don't realize something that I've realized a long time ago. That most problems have simple solutions. Now, I've said this a million times. doesn't mean it's easy. It just means it's simple. Okay? So, it's, uh, what is it, Arkham's Razor? Right? The, The... theory that um, the you know if you're if you have a problem sometimes the the easiest solution is or the the the, the most uh, yeah is that is it the easiest solution or the most logical uh, solution or conclusion is the most likely okay where people like when they come up with conspiracy theories and stuff they're sometimes it's as simple as uh, you know, this dude, crazy guy shot JFK. And I'm not saying that uh, that's what it is, but, you know, nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100 or 999 times out of 1,000, I think most of the time that's what it is, okay? Now, the problem with most, or the issue with most of our problems in the world, especially this country, is that uh, we do not have the will needed to solve these problems. One, that's that's number one. Number two is we have probably the most severe divide uh, in this country since the Civil War, and, and probably even more. You know, the Civil War, that's just what you did back then, is people just, you know, they fought. Now you don't have to. Now you can do, you can dox people, you can fucking hack people, you can... Uh, put their name out on Twitter and make some shit up about them or, you know, uh, you know, fucking spread rumors or you can ruin people's lives in other ways. I, I truly believe there's kind of a civil war going on right now. It's just people, when when people hear um, there's going to be a, a, a second civil war, it's going on right now, but people assume that that means we're going to take to the streets and fight. Why would we conduct combat in a fashion similar to what we did, you know, 150 years ago, uh, we would never do that. Okay. We're going to do something, 
uh, more sophisticated and more aligned with the times. And you see people going to battle every single day on the news, on social media, and you have uh, just talking points and rhetoric. And you see that one, and you see that there's two sides, um, and both of them have this severe ideology. Okay, now those two sides. Here's the here's the thing. It's it's very similar to the Civil War. If you know, people always think that there was, you know, North and South, uh, you know, the the blue versus the gray, um, Union versus the Confederates, and that might be true from kind of the 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 macro, right? But when you really look at the individual people, um they were a little bit more nuanced. There was people that were kind of on the fence or there's people that didn't want to be involved, but you had the two extremist ideologies that were making all the decisions for people. And it's the same way the Revolutionary War. There's lots of people that didn't just didn't want to get involved. They didn't give a shit. They were just trying to farm and make a living for their family and just trying to survive, basically. And uh, when you look at 2019, I think most people fit into this category where they're like, I don't give a fuck. I just want to survive. I want to get a savings. I want to put my kids through college. I want to pay off my house. I want to enjoy a beer on the weekends and watch a football game. And you'll have, you'll, you'll see people on both sides call those people stupid, not getting involved. But who are the stupid people? the people not getting involved or the people wasting their life getting so involved that it consumes every aspect. It, it takes over their relationships and friendships and their, their career path, their hobbies, everything. It's all encompassing. Now, it really depends on what your philosophy is um, and what your perspective is. Some people don't think, for instance, let's just throw out an issue, climate change. Well, some people don't, they're, the, the, the jury's still out for some people. They're like, ah, fuck, I don't know about if it's even real. And then there's people that are like, it's probably real, but, but um, you know, we probably don't have to worry about it right now. And then there's people going, well, it's definitely real, but there's nothing we can do about it. And then there's people that say, oh, it's real, and we're all going to die in 10 years, you know? Um, and there's there's so many different, uh, varying opinions to it. Now, if you're somebody that thinks, oh my God, we're all about to die if we don't make a change tomorrow, then they're willing to do sometimes almost anything to get policies changed, to get people in the fight. But you can't blame somebody that doesn't see it as a problem to not want to get involved. I think the there's a very small minority of people that say, well, I think climate change is a huge problem, problem but I'm not, I don't care. I'm just going to go about my day. Now, you know, there are people that have what's called willed ignorance and they just choose to just turn the other cheek. Let me take a sip of my NOS energy drink. I just got done running uh, eight and a half miles and uh, I'm very tired. I was supposed to do 12 miles today, but uh, I ran four yesterday and my legs just weren't feeling it. And more importantly, my feet. My feet got wet early on my run because there's tons of melted ice all over and melted snow. Um, and there's giant puddles everywhere. And my feet got soaked and I started to get blisters and shit. And I was like, I'm not running another four miles and have my feet so fucked I can't run for a week. So anyway, <clears throat> uh, so that's why I'm drinking NOS because I'm very tired right now. Um, 
what was I saying? Oh, climate change stuff. I, I do have a point. This is this is my gift and my curse. Remember I was talking about my talent, you know? I come like, I take a big loop when I'm making a point. Big loop and I get sidetracked a lot. So just stay with me here. Hopefully you're on a long drive and you have nothing better to do. Stick with me, it'll pay off. Or it won't and who gives a shit. Okay, so <clears throat> if you're not involved in politics or trying to change policy or or anything, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, what I find more of a problem is people that they're so convinced and it's not based on science, it's not based on research, it's not based on anything that they're doing, um, just based on ideology. Someone on their side says it's real or not real, depending on which camp you're in. And that's what they decide. And then they try to shame other people that don't want to get involved. And um, th that is kind of everyone I there there's that's where we're at right now is we have those those few people they're on the far right few people on the far left and they're waging war and everyone else is getting caught in the middle and depending on what you say on any given day someone's going to label you as this side or that side and sometimes you find yourself in the fight and you really didn't want to be on either side but you someone is making you an adversary and I see that as probably the biggest problem right now and something that I, I really didn't see 20 years ago is like someone from the right. I should, here, let me use this as an example. Someone from the left, because the left does this all the fucking time. They eat their own. Is they make adversaries out of people that are not their adversaries. You'll have very liberal, very liberal people that work on universities or their talk show host, and they'll have one fucking flub or they say the wrong thing, or they make a joke, and people on the far left will just consume them and just fuck up their careers and just try to get them thrown out of fucking Hollywood or or get them to lose their jobs or have to apologize or whatever else, not realizing that that is not the enemy. The enemy is on the far right. That's the person that actually wants to do you harm or, or really wants to do your ideology harm. There's a difference between someone misspeaking or not understanding your point and then somebody being fervently against it. So I think that is that is the biggest problem right now with, with the current quote-unquote civil war that's going on is you have the, the people that are stuck in the middle, they, there's, they don't see an upside of getting involved. Is It's not that they don't have a belief or that they don't, have nuanced opinions about certain things, but people are so quick to try to label you and throw you in a box. Okay. Um, I've had people uh, send me direct messages on Twitter. Uh, people listen to my podcast. Um, I've even gotten a, uh, was it an email or uh, another social media? I can't remember. Or maybe it was a comment on my website. I don't know. Is when I not when I first started, but in the first four or five months of my podcast, that somebody was um, accusing me of being very right wing. Okay, and um, I can co completely understand why, because I definitely uh, have leaned more right in the in the past few years than I have um, in my previous forty years before that. Um. I was always for the left when I was younger because I was pro-teacher, pro-union. 
I was uh, pro-choice. I was definitely a live and, live and let live guy. But the big, the big thing for me growing up was, you know, me wanting to be a comic book artist and me wanting to be a comic book writer is um, free speech is because there was always attacks and censorship type things on comic books. And I always thought that that was definitely the hill I was ready to die on is free speech. I really understood how important free speech was. And so if, if for no other reason, that was the reason why I was going to be left. Okay. And I wasn't a super religious person. There's a lot of things that kind of aligned me with that. Okay. Then as I got older, I've, I've become more accepting of people that are religious, for instance. Um, I used to be very against it, but now I kind of, um, to be honest with you, the hardcore religious people sometimes are more nice than the hardcore atheists. The hardcore atheists are just kind of fucking asshole douchebags sometimes. Um, as far as my abortion beliefs, um, I'm still pro-choice, but uh, leaning more on the pro-life is in the sense of, as a man, I don't think it's my job to outlaw abortion when it would never affect me as a man. And so that's why I, I rather give women the choice. But uh, it's easy for me to say, yeah, I probably wouldn't do that. Okay, but easy, like I said, easy for me to say that. I'm a man. Uh, so I lean pro-choice, but I definitely understand why people get so bent out of shape about, um, you know, funding abortions and shit like that. Um, you know, gay marriage or homosexual shit or uh, trans rights. I, I just don't give a shit. I, I really don't. Um, if you if gay people want to get married, I don't give a fuck. I, as, uh, if trans people want to fucking have 20 surgeries and they want to identify with 20 different things, let them. As long as my taxpayers aren't fucking paying for it and you're not forcing me to do or say something that I know contrary. Uh, for instance, the whole gender bullshit of, um, you know, gender non-binary bullshit, you know, that, that people just want that aren't scientists just want to make shit up. I am so against that shit. Okay. I, I cannot stress enough how against I am. You can be whatever the fuck you want. You want to say that you're a lampshade, say you're a fucking lampshade. Okay, but you're not going to force me to say you're a fucking lampshade. You're not going to sit there and 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 shame me because you decided you wanted to be a fucking lampshade. If if it walks like a man, talks like a man, and I say you're a man, and you then correct me and say you're a woman, oh, okay, you're you're a fucking woman. Who am I to say that you're not a woman? I don't fucking know, but you can't get mad at me because I assumed you're a fucking man. Okay. Um, I, if it, like I said, there's, there's very masculine females and there's feminine males and, and people make mistakes And our culture now is just there. It's, it's gotten so fucking bizarre with that shit. But you know, like, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, fuck, you know, I said Bruce Jenner for the first couple of years after the, you know, that he, she, whatever was transitioning. And it wasn't because I was trying to be disrespectful or that I'm a contrarian. No, it's just, it's, it's been Bruce Jenner my entire fucking life. When I was a kid, this guy was on the fucking Wheaties box as a dude winning a fucking gold medal. Give me a second to a fucking adjust. But now 
I've adjusted. So yeah, it's fucking Caitlin. I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. Okay. But people are making some of those issues. Like I would never try to get anything like that outlawed, but people will hear that rhetoric that I just said. And, uh, they will act like I'm the fucking enemy. I'm not the fucking enemy. I'm not the one wanting, I'm not wanting to kill those people. I'm not wanting to ban those people or outlaw those people or say you can't do that. Or even, I'm not even against calling you a man or a woman or whatever the fuck you want me to call you. What I am against is um, for us not to be able to acknowledge that a significant number of trans people probably have mental health issues when you're wanting to lop off an appendage of your fucking body. And at the very least, uh, we can inquire about mental health before we go and lop it off. I'm definitely against where people are trying to uh, tell their kids they can choose their own gender at birth and that shaming parents into like, oh, you, you shouldn't buy your little boy a fire truck because you are infringing um, on his rights to be able to choose his gender and blah, 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 all that bullshit, okay? Um, what other issue? Oh, the gun debate, okay? I used to be a more, I don't want to say I was never anti-gun, but I've always leaned toward background checks and definitely leaned toward you should be fucking trained to use those firearms. And, uh, you know, I've been in the military for 12 fucking years and, uh, I never picked up a rifle until I joined the military. I shot a couple handguns, but a rifle, you know, fast forward 12 years. And, you know, I went to master gunner school. Uh, you know, I was in the, I was a squad designated marksman in Afghanistan uh, you know, I was in the infantry. So let's just say I know what I'm doing with a fucking weapon, um, with a many, many, many different weapons. I was an instructor for many weapons courses. Um, but I also know how, how even me who's, who's fired weapons in combat and used them for their intended purposes of killing another human being, you know, you, you, if you do away with them or if you don't, you're not around weapons for, a year. It's a perishable skill. Even me, it takes me a little bit to get back into the groove of if I pick up a weapon, I haven't shot for two or three years. Uh, there's definitely a learning curve. Now it comes back r- relatively quickly, but it definitely takes some time to kick the dust off. And so I truly believe that you need to stay trained and proficient with that weapon if you want to carry it around and be donning it on your fucking hip. That's all I'm saying. But I, you know, 100% wholeheartedly believe that anybody over the age of, let's say, 21 should have the right to open carry or concealing carry any fucking weapon if they are not a convicted felon. And uh, anybody that shows that they can um, use that weapon um, safely and proficiently, we should all have the right to carry a fucking firearm, you know? I live in Wyoming and uh, I don't fear for my life here because everyone's fucking armed. It's, it's you know, you, you think that that's counterintuitive, but it's not. You go to a place like Chicago or New York and you walk down the wrong street and you will fear, fear for your fucking life and you, and you can't have a gun to protect you. And so, <clears throat> um, so all those things, they, they might sound right wing. Like when I just said what I said about guns, I'll say that to right wing people 
and they will not cast me out of their fucking club, quote unquote, right? Of, but you'll have a left wing person, far left wing, who's wanting to literally take everyone's guns away. And you just say, yeah, but I think it's okay to have them for hunting and they will fucking crucify you. So there's new, no nuance where on the, on the right side, um, you know, you got the middle, just, just right of middle. I feel like you can, you can have a lot of nuance and, and discussions about, you know, race and cultures and, and, you know, guns and abortion and all that stuff. And people will at least listen and have logical debate. And they're not going to sit there and try to shame you, call you fucking names, try to ruin your life, try to make you into something that you're not. And so it's not that I turned uh, Republican or turned right wing. What I did is the left went so far left, they, they, they moved the center line over, you know, to the left of me. And so now I'm right just by default, and uh, which is crazy. Now, I've evolved my thinking a little bit about unions, too, after working in unions. I, I don't think there, there's as much of a need for that. Um, regulations, you know, uh, Republicans are usually pretty anti-regulation. Uh, Democrats want everything regulated. I'm kind of in the middle on that, too. I think some things like the EPA and the fucking FDA, we need regulations like that shit. But do we need um, regulations of like 500 fucking regulations on stupid shit? Uh, no, we don't. You know, I'm definitely a little bit more on the right wing side when it comes to tax laws. I think we need to get rid of a lot of that shit, you know, um, close all the loopholes and get rid of a bunch of fucking tax laws, you know. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is now with all that being said, I guarantee if you are right wing, you listen to that. You're going, okay, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Johnny has some stuff that is a little bit more left and some that's more right and whatever, and and you look at me as for what I am. If you're left-wing, you're automatically putting me as a fucking fascist Nazi fucking, you know, and that's that's the problem here is that people just tap out because they're like, I am so sick of playing identity politics where um, I have to be on the right or the left. I have to choose a side. That if I talk about one issue and say, like, I like hunting, and all of a sudden it's like, whoop, you're a fucking right-wing Nazi propaganda fascist fucking, and then someone goes, I think that, you know, we could have a a tax the rich a little bit more. Oh, you're a fucking socialist, and, you know, someone throws you in that fucking camp, and uh, people, 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 listen, listen to some, it's, it's, it's very fucking simple, okay? This is how simple it is. We need to abolish. And that's not too strong of a word. The word is abolish. Abolish. Okay, do away with any kind of party affiliation. Get rid of Republicans. Get rid of Democrats. Well, how do you do that, Johnny? Real easy. Stop registering as a Republican or Democrat. If nobody registered as a Republican or Democrat and everybody's independent, now you when, when all the people that are running for office, they don't know to be left or right. They don't know what to be. They're just going to have to poll and, and and on every fucking issue. Instead, you'll have these cookie cutters. It's like, well, I'm going to run as a Republican, so I'll be like, 
I'm pro-military and I'm pro-guns and I'm pro-life and I'm fucking blah, 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 blah. And, and you just, these cookie cutters, instead of having these nuanced opinions, that is the problem. Like I said, it's simple, but it's not easy because people want it easy. People just want to go, well, I'm a Republican, so that's who I'm voting for. And they don't want to think too much about it. And they just want to believe a Republican is going to do all the things that they want. Yeah, I'm for God and country. That's Republicans. And, you know, like Obama would go to fucking church and talk about God and scripture. And people were still saying he's a fucking Muslim or they were saying he's an atheist or, you know, if, if as soon as you are in that camp, they're just going to be like, nope, doesn't matter what you fucking do. It's never going to be good enough for those people. Okay, you see it on the news all the time. There, I mean, there was just this giant mass shooting in New Zealand, and it took about a day—not even a day—before Trump was being tied to that shit. That they were somehow trying to come around and and pin it on fucking Trump. It's because he didn't say this, or he did say this, or and it's just exhausting and. It just fucking pisses you off. I'm not the biggest Trump fan. I'm going to be honest with you. But give the fucking guy a break. There's a million things you can criticize him about. A million. Okay? I mean, and people are just trying to find any little fucking thing. And there's all this talk of impeachment and all that shit. It's like you guys lost the election. When I say you guys, I mean the people that are wanting to impeach him. Let him serve his fucking term. You guys lost. He won. And then elect somebody else. That is the process. This this country has turned into to these, these pussies that just decide, I don't like the way that the election went, so I'm just going to go the other way and I'm going to try to get him thrown out and I'm going to try to... It's so stupid. It's the dumbest fucking thing. Our country is becoming retarded. Okay? Yeah, I use the word retarded. So fucking what? It's... And it's not getting any better, and I don't foresee it getting any better anytime soon. I just don't. I don't know how it can get better. Because, like I said, it's simple. The solutions are simple. People don't want to do them. Because they don't care about simple, they want easy. Okay, so there's tons and tons of tons of things like this that just they get my goat a little bit. Because when I look at a news story, I just use common sense. I don't I don't think about what political side I'm on. But you see people that they say they see a story and it's it's negative for Trump, and if they're pro Trump, they're going to be against that fucking story, and vice versa. And they're not going to read it. They're not going to try to really see the nuance. They're not going to see it for what it is. And then the people that are like me, I think, for the most part, they just tap out and say, I don't want to fucking be involved in this shit. It's just it's just a big fucking waste of time. And I kind of understand that. Life is short. Why do we want to waste so much time on this kind of bullshit? And so, um, yeah, it's it's getting to the point where the news is just, it's so biased, you know, it really is. When I remember when Obama was the president and I voted for Obama and there was talking about the liberal media and I was like, whatever, 
fucking liberal media. Shut the fuck up. I didn't really realize it until Trump got elected. How, I mean, it really, really put a spotlight on how liberal 95% of the media outlets are. And they just, it's, they go hard in the paint against Trump. I mean, everything. I mean, just they, the way that they word their stories, the way that they try to fucking nitpick about shit, it's just, it's ridiculous. And, you know, I think it was because when I was growing up, I had to watch the news a lot because my grandpa was would be watching it. And, uh, you know, you would see Walter Cronkite or Ted Koppel, and, the, and you just didn't know what side that they leaned on. I mean, they would ask, act disgusted about things maybe that disgusted them if, you know, like um, when the sp- space shuttle Challenger blew up and, you know, they would show a little bit of emotion and stuff like that. But for mo- for the most part, they were news readers. They would just read the news. They didn't, he really didn't know what side that they were on. And they just reported the facts or at least the facts that how they knew of them. Now it's all editorialized and you just, everyone's taken a side. And sometimes you just want to hear the story. You don't want to hear the stupid condescending bullshit on either side. I mean, I flip back and forth between Fox and CNN all the time. And both of them just, it's exhausting. And I get to the point where I just shut it off. I'd like to know what's going on in the world, but I get so sick of having to read between the lines and try to figure out, okay, let me, let me digest some of this shit and see what it, what it really is because this person is just giving me their, all these opinions about shit. And so much so that you see retractions in the news all the time because they just go overboard with that shit. It's so frustrating. And we have real problems in this country. I talk about them on this podcast all the time and I try not to ever come from a political standpoint because I'm not a political person. I really... I'm really not. I just see things as common sense. So one of the stories that kind of caught my eye uh, recently, there's there's a few, but one that I wanted to talk about just because, you know, it, there's uh, the, the theme of this story, I guess, is something that I've talked about on this podcast before. So let me preface it with uh, give you kind of the, the, the short version of this story. I'm taking another drink. So GM, General Motors, is, they have a CEO, that's a uh, woman, I can't remember her name, not that it matters, it's a woman, but it might to some people, um, because I think, I do think when women are CEOs, they get, um, they're on, in the spotlight a little bit more when they do shit wrong, quote unquote, um, unfortunately, but <clears throat> now it'll be your opinion if if you think she's doing this wrong. So <clears throat> GM is like every other car manufacturer. They've, they're in the business to make money and they're trying to stay ahead of the game. And that's not something GM has ever been good at. Um, quite frankly, they have always been extremely poor. Usually how they, they know they need to make a change once they've fucking filed for their third bankruptcy. So <clears throat> the CEO of GM realizes that not a lot of people are buying cars, okay? Not automobiles, but cars. Um, so the trend in the automotive industry is SUVs and crossovers. 
And so a lot Ford has already announced that they're going to stop making most cars and a lot of other manufacturers are kind of following suit. Now, Chevy did this and one of the ways that they are cutting costs is uh, one of their popular uh, economy cars called the Chevy Cruze. It's made in a town in Ohio. I cannot remember the name of the town, but it's irrelevant. It's somewhere in Ohio, but it's one of the largest um, production plants in the country. I mean, it's huge. Like it's like five miles, like it takes you five miles just to drive around that thing. It's, it's, it's enormous. Most of them are big, but this one's pretty big. So they made, I think exclusively, they made the Chevy Cruze. Now, Chevy Cruze did well for Chevy and it was um, a hot seller until it wasn't. And the CEO decided, hey, we're going to shut down this factory. Now, this factory has been there for like 50 years. Okay, it's been a staple of the economy of this town. And if you know anything about small towns, if you've lived in one or just, you know, know someone that lives in one, you know that the small towns that have giant manufacturing plants like this, the really the town survival is solely based on this plant staying there because there's just not a lot of other jobs sometimes, okay? Um, a lot of bigger cities, you know, started off with these small towns. There was one manufacturing plant, and then there's two, then there's three, and next thing you know, um, everyone else is moving there because of jobs and blah, 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 and it kind of grows. Well, some never get past that first manufacturing thing. And sounds like this town is, is very similar. A lot of people work in this plant, like fathers and sons and, you know, a couple generations of people or maybe even three generations have worked there. Well, when they announce that they're going to shut this down, of course, there's all these news stories of, all these people losing their jobs, thousands upon thousands of people that are used to making whatever you make in an auto plant. And I know it's it's pretty good for, you know, the, the type of work that it is. I know when I was a kid, when I graduated high school, um, the town or the city I lived in, in Kansas City, uh, my dream was, or most people's dream was to get a job at the Ford plant. Now, later on, they, they uh, GM came to town and stuff. But when I was a kid, the Ford plant was kind of where it was at. Like, it was really hard to get on the Ford plant, uh, so much so that you pretty much had to know somebody that worked there to get on at the Ford plant. But they started with a good wage and good benefits and all that stuff. So that was kind of most people that I went to high school, for the most part, that weren't going to go to college, that was kind of their dream job. Um, I never got on the Ford plant, but I... I, uh, from what I understood, it was a good job. I got a buddy that works at the GM plant in, uh, Kansas city, Kansas. And, uh, from what I can, what I understand, it's a good paying job, good benefits, uh, all that good stuff. Right. <clears throat> so obviously most of the people that work in these plants don't have anything but a high school education. If they've worked there for 20, 30 years, they've invested a lot of time, uh, energy into this. And, uh, you know, if you get laid off at 40 or 45 years old, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to just start over again, especially when you have a family or a house or whatever else in this town and that job goes away. It's very hard to replace a job that you're getting paid, let's say $35 an hour. You know, I'm just spitballing. I don't know how much I get paid. 
but you know, a significant amount. You know, if they went down to the local Piggly Wiggly, they wouldn't be making that. So it's kind of a shock to them. And of course they're pissed off. Okay. But like I said, looking from the outside, looking in now, most people, they get emotional They're They have some emotional attachment because they're like, um, either they worked in the plant or they have a job like that. And they're, and they're looking like, uh, I don't want that to happen to me. And if I work someplace for 20 years, they, they owe me something. Uh, my mom has this mentality. She always thought that uh, she got fucked over because she worked for some bank for 20 years. And then when they went out of business and laid people off, that somehow that uh, she took it personal. You know, uh, I, I hate to say this, but when a company has tens of thousands of employees um, and it's, uh, it's not personal, people make it personal. And you see the news story, they focus on the individual people to tug at your heartstrings. And of course, you're, you're going to be sympathetic. So the one family that they profiled, that they have like a special needs child, like, you know, there's, there's not people with special needs child, child in all walks of life, right? But for some reason, this special needs child um, requires their father to work for General Motors. I guess that's the only job that he can get. And so they are putting it all on General Motors and the CEO that she's heartless, that uh, they've you know invested all this time in their life, and GM has betrayed them, and that how can she sleep at night? They're ruining our family. Well, the GM CEO actually said for all these employees that had like I don't know. It's, I don't want to say tenure or seniority. I don't know whatever the term is, but they had a certain amount of years in the company. They automatically get to keep their job. They just have to transfer to another plant somewhere else in the country. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Um, but of course, the news showed that these families can't move because they have, I've lived here my whole life and my wife has a good job and my whole family's here and I can't sell my house, which is hard to do to sell your house when everyone's leaving town, right? Because the, the plant closed down. So I, I get it. I get it. Um, or I don't want to live in another town. I grew up here. Um, you know, I got a special needs kid and all his nurses are here and they got really good schools or whatever, whatever the thing is. Okay. And they, and they went through the gamut and maybe that I'm less sympathetic because I'm in the military In the military, you move <laughs> and it's not an option. They just tell you, Hey, congratulations. You're fucking moving. Oh, your wife has a really good job. <laughs> That's cool. Anyway, here's your orders. Uh, you're leaving three weeks. Oh, you need to sell your house? <laughs> That's cool. Anyway, three weeks, you start at this fucking base. Make it happen, okay? And people uh, think that the Army sells your house for you. They don't. You have to. Uh, people think that, um, like, if, you, if you're a young private or some shit, you just live on base and yeah, you just check out a post housing and you move into post housing. But once you've been in the army a little while, you go off and, and you use your GI bill or your, I mean your uh, VA home loan and you go buy a house. And uh, every time you, what's called PCS, permanent change of station, you have to sell your old house and go buy another one. 
And um, everybody in the army knows that you're taking a risk when you fucking do that because everybody PCSs. But, you know, if you have a family and stuff like that, you don't want to live on a fucking army base. You want to live out in the community like a real person. Um, and wives know that they, uh, you know, they're going to have to quit jobs and stuff. And it's just kind of what you signed up for. You just kind of understand that. Okay. And so, you know, the military people definitely aren't going to be sympathetic about that. Um, like for instance, when I moved here and I took this job up in Wyoming, I still had a house in Kansas for over a year that I could not sell. I mean, I was paying rent here because I couldn't afford to buy a house till I sold my other one. And I was paying a mortgage back in Kansas and that house was just sitting there. I couldn't rent it out because I was doing renovations to it and all this other shit. And, uh, it was extremely stressful knowing that a tornado could rip through Kansas or I could get a water leak or the refrigerator could blow up or whatever could happen. And I'm a th- literally a thousand miles away and I have no idea what that, if someone's breaking in or whatever. Okay. So, um, I get it. I get it. <clears throat> now here's the thing in 2019, it's very, very common that if, if you want to work for 30 years, okay, 30 years, in any kind of job, any kind of industry, at some point you're going to have to move. The days like my grandpa, after he got out of the military and him just working in one company, he worked for Sealright, um, and working for one company for 20 or 30 years and retiring and getting a full pension, those days are done for the most part. Plants close down all the time. And, you know, this family's like, you know, this CEO is heartless and she's just, you know, she sees us as just a number. Yeah, because you are. If you work for someone or some company or corporation, you are a number. You are there for one reason, to help the bottom line. And you need to stop taking shit so personal. They don't give a shit about you. They don't. They see ones and zeros. And to be honest with you, that's the only kind of company you should want to work for is because what this lady's doing is trying to ensure that all the other tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of employees at General Motors, that they keep their jobs. Is sometimes you have to sacrifice a few to make sure to give a livelihood to the many. She's trying to not only keep their jobs, but keep the stockholders happy and keep the company profitable. And to say, well, it won't go out of business. I think we all know what happened to the automotive industry just a few years ago. Okay, they got to stay on their fucking toes. They got to stay ahead of this shit. And so I understand if it was you, and I'm telling you right now, I've been laid off twice from two different jobs. Man, sorry, I got to take a drink. I don't know why I'm telling you. I'm not asking for permission. I'm just, you know, I got to do it. I'm talking and my throat starts getting a little verklempt, as the Jews say. So I've been laid off, so I understand what it's like. I've been laid off uh, where I get, I got two weeks notice and I only worked there for a couple years, so I didn't even get a severance package. Most of these people are getting like a severance package or they got advanced warning. And I just, 
it's not that I'm not somewhat sympathetic, but at some point you got to say, okay, now what are you going to do? Just sit and feel sorry for yourself? Wait a minute. When I got laid off, I didn't get the option to move to another fucking company because the company went out of business. I don't understand that. I don't understand where if someone says I'm offering you all this pay and benefits, figure out a way to move. No, it's because people want their cake and eat it too. They want it their way. Now you're talking about someone being heartless and you're not being like water. You need to, you know, take the shape of the container that you're poured in. And so you have to be flexible in this new world economy. Especially if you are uneducated, like me, I'm not highly educated, and all your eggs are in one basket, like me, I'm, I'm probably in that situation right now, more than most. So you kind of have to take what you get. You don't hold any cards. So don't be mad at them. Be mad that you invested everything into a company that you shouldn't invest it into because you know the possibilities of layoffs. You know the possibility that they could shut down. I've worked for many a corporation and I had that same fear. I remember when I worked for General Mills, uh, seventh largest food manufacturer in the world at the time, and there was 33 flour mills and I worked at one that had a Bisquick plant in it. There was only like six Bisquick plants. And they decided they want to consolidate and move a lot of these plants to either Mexico or Canada. And so they went from 33 plants and they they went down to seven. And they went from six Bisquick plants to one. And so no one knew if they were going to keep or if they were going to lose their job or not. And luckily, Kansas City plant decided to be the one. They were going to stay there and the Bisquick uh, division was going to solely be made, made out of Kansas City. And it was mainly because we were our proximity uh, to uh, things like how you make flour with wheat. You know, oh, there are a lot of wheat farms uh, in the Midwest, so transportation costs weren't as much. And, um, you know, we have a good railroad system that goes through Kansas City. And so it was just cost benefit analysis. So we got to keep our jobs, but I it wasn't personal. It's not because they liked us better. It's It just made more sense for the company. And so I remember what that was like, wondering if you're going to lose your fucking job. And I'm not going to say it didn't suck because it was a good job with good benefits. It sucks getting laid off. I'm not saying that I don't feel sorry for those people. But you have to understand that when you work for someone else, you are giving them power and you are taking away all of yours. And we all can't be entrepreneurs. We all can't run our own business or be multimillionaires or just hustle our way through life. I get that. But it's not the way it used to be. You can't just work for one company your entire life and think all you got to do is you just go to work and punch a clock and you're always going to have a job. You got to always be thinking about your life and thinking ahead and have a backup plan. And you always have to be kind of figuring out your exit strategy as well. You see, people in the military are the worst at this. The worst is because people join the military, and I'm a recruiter, so I know, 
And uh, I always tell kids, I always tell them this line. I say, I'm gonna about, about to tell you something that no recruiter will ever tell you and no recruiter has ever told anybody this. But one day you're gonna have to hang the uniform up. And so what I'm trying to do is get them to prepare for their life after they hang up the uniform while they're still wearing the uniform. Go ahead and set up your life. Go ahead and go to college. Go ahead and use some of these benefits to get established, get some other experience, find a job in the military that's going to look good on a resume. Don't be like me. I joined the military for one reason. I wanted to go to war. I wanted to be a fucking soldier. I wanted to be a ground and pounder. And I'll tell you right now, that doesn't help me on a resume. I've done some great things for my country, um, you know, as United States Army infantrymen, but it doesn't mean shit on a resume. Unless I want to go be a contractor overseas, it really doesn't do anything for me. And so it's important nowadays that you always look further ahead than you did before, not just with savings and things like that, but just transitioning into other facets of your life. I, I truly believe that life now, if you have kids and you're listening to this, you need to develop and instill this trait in them, that life is going to have many, many chapters and transitional periods. And you might have a great job, but don't always think that all you got to do is go to work and work your ass off and that job's going to be there because jobs move all the fucking time. Places go out of business or they you know, move or the position goes away. That's the worst thing about a good economy right now is people don't realize this sometimes. They say, be careful the jobs that you take in a good economy because in a good economy, they will just start hiring people they really don't need. It's just nice to have. Um, and so it's kind of like in the army, we, you know, in recruiting, we have, if, if we have a, a surplus in our budget or we get more money or a bigger budget, we start hiring assistant recruiters to help out the main recruiter. And then as soon as that money goes away, those are the first people we fire because you can't fire the recruiters, so you fire all the assistants. And it's the exact same thing in all these other corporations. Uh, it's the same way in like school districts. My wife, uh, if, if they have money, they'll get her a para. They'll get her some help in her classroom. But as soon as the money goes away, they can't get rid of the special ed teacher, but boy, they can get rid of the para. So <clears throat> you need to make sure that you're not taking a job that is kind of one of those fluff jobs that as soon as the economy goes down, those are the first people they get rid of. You have to make sure that you have a job that you're needed and that you that you have value. And when I say you have value, meaning if that job wasn't there, that you could use that and go get another job somewhere else. And that that no matter what, you could make somebody else money or you could make yourself money. And, and you might want to have one or two skills, not just, I shouldn't say one or two, two or three different skills. And so if you're raising kids now, you have to get them to see the big picture, that there's going to be mile markers and chapters. And it's not just about going to college or getting an education. It's about having other skills and traits. Okay? Uh, here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. If, if you are a carpenter, or you're an engineer, you're a plumber, um, you're an electrician, you're always going to have a job because we always need those things. Auto mechanic. Now, you're not always going to like your job and you might get sick of doing that. But what I'm saying is that's job security. 
There's plenty of times that people do not need certain things, okay? So there's certain jobs, uh, like if you're a personal trainer, they do pretty well in a good economy, but when the economy turns, personal trainers lose their jobs left and right because who the fuck's gonna pay for a personal trainer when, they're, when the economy's bad and they don't have very much money? Okay, real estate agents, things like that, uh, car salesmen. You know, there's there's certain jobs that have more security than others. So back to the point about this, um, this manufacturing plant, people will look at this as a political thing. It, it, the left wing thinks this about the plant. The right wing thinks this about the plant. And I'm telling you, just look at it from a common sense standpoint. Do you want to work in a socialist or a dictatorship where they say, no, the government's going to keep this fucking plant open and uh, we're not going to give a shit about the profitability of the company and we're just going to have a social welfare system and we're going to force a company to keep open its doors. And people will say, well, you know, GM made this much profits last year. Yeah, because those cars were still selling. But are you telling me if GM knows these cars aren't going to sell maybe one-fifth of what they did in the last three years, in the next three years, only going to sell a fifth, are they still going to be profitable? That's the point, is you got to stay ahead of it. You don't you don't fire people once you're losing money. No, a good CEO will get rid of people before you're losing money. And so it might make your bottom line go up or the stock prices go up and people don't understand it and they go, look how much money that they made off firing me. It's a, it's a called being, you don't want to be reactionary, okay? What you want to do is you want to try to try to have some predictability, okay? So you if you're just, if you run a business and you're just reactionary, you're not going to be successful. If I'm going out on a mission uh, overseas and I'm re- reactionary, I'm not going to be successful. You have to plan accordingly. You have to make a good action plan before and so you can see some of the, the trends and you can adjust. And you'll see that with corporations like Blockbuster Video. They didn't diversify uh, fast enough. And by the time that they tried to, you know, Netflix kind of put them out of business. By the time they started trying to do like a red box at the same time, doing like a internet online streaming and it was too late. There's no guarantees in this life, people. Okay, so the two things that I guess the two points I'm trying to make is one, you cannot be the victim in that situation because I'm telling you, we're all around the corner from something like that happening to us. It'll happen to everybody. And if it hasn't happened to you, it will. And if it doesn't, you're just one of the few, few people that got extremely lucky. Okay. I mean, there's people that are engineers and doctors and lawyers, and sometimes they lose their jobs. And so there's no guarantees. You know, there's certain things that you could definitely, you know, have a little bit more safety and security, but there's no guarantees. Second off, you know, uh, you have to always think kind of like a corporation. And you have to be planning ahead, not just be reactionary. See, what's wrong with these people that are profiled in this story is they're all reactionary. 
They all, a couple of them even said they've been hitting around at this for years. You know, just think about if you were married and somebody kept hitting around divorcing your ass or leaving your ass. Are you just going to wait for it to happen? Or are you going to try to figure out if that's, uh, if that relationship isn't salvageable, maybe you should get out before they kick you out. It's the same thing with a job. If you see the writing on the wall, time to start looking into something else. And on your days off, start filling out resumes. And, and that means many times that you're going to have to take a step back. I've said on this podcast that I'm thinking very hardly, like very hardly, very, very seriously, I'm thinking about getting out of the military in about 13 months. Okay, ETS, which means my contract's up and I'm about 95% sure I'm going to be getting out. And um, I'm not going to say I'm not scared because I make very good money right now and there is absolutely zero chance that I'm going to get out and make the same money that I'm making right now, like just make a lateral move. I'm probably going to take a couple steps back and maybe eventually I can get there but initially you're going to have to take some steps back and you have to plan for that and you have to understand that. And so I'm already starting to plan for that going, I know that I'm going to have to change some things, make some lifestyle changes because I'm not going to be making the same money in the meantime. And it's going to take me a while to get into or to find, you know, a job field or a career path that's going to pay me what I make um, in the army. And so it, I'm not going to say it's not scary, but I can. the writing's on the wall. Now, I can go ahead and sign my contract and re-up for another couple years or three years or five years or 10 years or whatever, but still, sooner or later, I got to get out. So all I'm doing is delaying the inevitable. So if you're in that position right now, kind of like where, where I am, where you know there's a transition coming, you got to plan for it and you got you have to take responsibility. You can't blame the world and say the world owes you something. Never be that person that says, I gave this to this. I got a buddy that was in the army that I deployed with Afghanistan. He injured his shoulder in Afghanistan. Uh, he went home, got sent home early, did a bunch of rehab, um, came back, couldn't do his job anymore. In the army and how, how it works, uh, just so you guys know, if you get injured and uh, you're not like injured where you can't do any job, you can transfer into another job. Well, if you don't want to do that job, if you refuse to transfer, then they're just going to give you a medical discharge. And a medical discharge, you don't get a medical retirement a lot of times. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. It really depends on um, if it was... Uh, due to the army, like the army fucked you up or something, uh, but you can go to the VA and make a claim and get a, you know, whatever. But um, the point that I'm trying to make, I guess, is um, that they offer you another job. Well, my buddy didn't want to do that other job. He goes, no, I'm not going to do it. I want to be in the infantry still, but be on what's called profile, which means you're, you can't do the infantry job. You still get the title of infantry, but you don't have to do anything. And he had four years till retirement. He had 16 years in. And in the army, there's something called sanctuary. It's at 18 years. After you hit your 18 year mark, they really can't kick you out unless you do something criminal. They have to keep you in. Even if you're injured and you can't do your job, 
you just have to, you're just going to sit on your ass for two years and they're just going to pay you and then you're going to get a full retirement. Well, he had 16 years in. In that 16 years, he deployed three times, uh, but he also got into a lot of trouble. He got some DUIs, all this other stuff. So he wasn't like the best soldier. He wasn't the worst, but he wasn't the best. <clears throat> so uh, long story short is he got discharged because he could no longer perform his duties. And he was pissed because he got fucked out of a retirement, uh, you know, according to him. And I remember he got, he uh, severely got into alcohol and he called me uh, like he did many nights, just drunk off his ass and was just railing on the army. They fucked me. I spent 16 years, I deployed three times and they didn't give me shit. I don't even get a retirement. And I go, hey, Randy, <clears throat> I said, no offense, brother, but a retirement's for 20 years of service. You did 16. Well, that's still bullshit because they kicked me out. I said, no, 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 no. Hey, man, I understand your frustration, okay? But 16 years of good service, not not or 20 years of good service, of being a good soldier, of serving your fucking country. You did 16 years and probably, to be honest with you, last five years you were phoning it in. You were not the best soldier in the world. And you're staying in just to try to get a retirement when the retirement is for 20 years of active military service, being the best soldier you can be, serving your country, um, selfless service, selfless, not selfish. And you didn't, you did 16 years and you got out. So they don't owe you anything. Why well, did this? I did this. I did this. Hey, Randy. In those 16 years, did you get money? Did you get benefits? Did you get all the things that they promised you in that contract? Because when you sign a contract, it doesn't guarantee a retirement. It guarantees pay, benefits, health insurance. Did you get all that? Then what do they owe you? I'm not going to get a retirement. If I get out next year, I don't get a retirement. And guess what? They don't owe me anything. Randy did 16 years and I did, I've done 12 and I'm already a higher rank than he was after 16 years. And I still don't, they don't owe me anything. This entitlement mentality hurts you because what it does is it stagnates your mind. It, it keeps you from letting go and moving on to the next stage of your life that everyone has to transition into, especially people in the military. And there's so many people in the military that have a trouble transitioning, even if they do get a retirement. But Randy never got out of it. I don't know what Randy's doing now, but I know he was, got divorced again alcoholic, lost his job, lost his house, got another DUI, in and out of jail, sleeping on people's couches. And it's been about nine years since he got kicked out of the army or discharged, however you want to put it. And I don't know that he's ever gotten over it. 
Just imagine what you could have done in the last nine years. Did you have to take a step back? Yep. Would it be nice to have a retirement? Yep. But you don't. So fucking deal with it. Move forward. (laughs) What choice do you have? You got this one life. What are you going to do with it? It's not over just because you invested a significant amount of time in the military and didn't pan out the way that you wanted to. But that's not life. There is no guarantees. And so just like Randy, there's a lot of people that they feel like that company owes them something. Now, unless they fucked you out of a paycheck or a bonus or they didn't provide something that they said they would provide for you, they don't owe you anything. And those people in Ohio that said, I spent 20 years of that company, they owe me. No, they don't. They paid you every fucking two weeks. You got benefits. You got discounts. You got all that shit. What the fuck do they owe you? Don't act like that you didn't use them the same way that they used you. That is the agreement we all sign up for when we have a fucking strap hanging lunch pail job is that you pay me and I'm going to do this job, but I'm not really going to give a shit. And I'm going to go home and I'm not going to think twice about this job. And if you try to call me in uh, for overtime, I'm not going to answer my phone. And it's all those fuck, fuck games. You know, the corporation does it, you do it, but let's not make a mistake here and pretend like either person is fucking over the other one. Because I've seen people fuck over the company too. Sue the company for hundreds of thousands of dollars of workman's comp or whatever else. It happens. I'm not defending the corporation. What I'm saying is you are allowing this thing to cripple your mind where you cannot move on. Why would you allow something to do that to you? Why do you not want to take that power back and take that responsibility back? But instead, even those people, there are these hardworking blue-collar people, they want entitlements. They want to feel like the world owes them something. And the world doesn't. The corporation does, but what they owed you is 20 years of pay not 20 more years of pay. Look at an NFL player or a baseball player. They'll sign like a 10-year contract. And if something happens where they have to void that contract or that contract, they get injured or something like that, that, guess what? Or they get traded. That contract is still good. They have to pay out that contract. Well, I don't know too many people that work at General Motors or General Mills or the Ford plant or in the Army that say, I'm signing a 20-year contract and that means you owe me for $20. And if you're going to kick me out in 10 years and I didn't do anything criminal, then you still got to pay out the rest of the, the, that $10,000. And I'll be honest with you, especially like places like General Motors, I promise you, I promise you, that motherfucker's getting a severance package. After 20 years of being there, I guarantee that he's getting something out of it. He's getting partial retirement. He's getting something. But there's jobs like when I lost my job in the lumber yard when they went out of business, I didn't get shit because they went bankrupt. They didn't have to pay shit. There's people that take it in the ass. And that's not right. 
but it's but for you to cripple your mind by consistently blaming that shit, sooner or later you got to move on. You got to find something else, and you got to learn from your mistakes, and realize you need to have a a more diverse set of skills in this new millennium than just say I'm going to work for the same company for forty years and get a pension. That's life was not only easier. But it was simpler back then. It was simpler and easier. It's neither now. I shouldn't say it was easier. It was easier in in those ways. 50 years ago, you just got a good job somewhere and chances are you'd be able to keep it for a long time. I mean, Amazon, look how big Amazon is. (laughs) They're not too big to fail couple bad decisions in this kind of marketplace and in 10 years they could be bankrupt it happens all the time we put too much faith in these giant companies it sucks because what are your what's the alternative right I feel you but that's why you need to always be pushing to be the best person that you can be So you add value to yourself and the other employers can see that value and they want and they're willing to pay for someone like you. It's a competitive world. No matter how much you like it or dislike it, no matter if you're on the right side or the left side, we're all competing. And it's rarely fair. Life's not supposed to be fair. But there's only one chance that you have to win, and that's to play. So, okay, well, that's my take on on that uh, subject. You know, it sucks, people. It does. I'm going to be in that situation before I know it. Hopefully, I'll still be doing this podcast, and uh, it's not going to be an easy transition. I see people on YouTube that uh, they have it good or they had it good and then they changed the the way that the algorithm worked and they changed the way that the ad uh, pay, pay out and what channels they monetize and people went from making, you know, $500,000 a year on YouTube to making like $20,000 and they lost their shit. Not realizing that, well, you had it good and you, you just rode that gravy train a little too long instead of diversifying and trying to find another way to monetize whatever product that you have. It's unfortunate, but the world doesn't owe you anything. Okay. All right. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Uh, please support this podcast. Tell a friend, download it, um, share it with people. Uh, Leave me a comment on iTunes if you would like, or just uh, send me a message on Twitter. Tell me that you're a listener Um, and uh, check out strange things are afoot at the circle K.com. You can check out artist reboot on YouTube. That is my uh, mainly art centric. Um, I'm thinking about doing some videos or I, I'm not even thinking about, I am planning on doing videos that profile my personal growth challenge, something I do on this 
uh, podcast, but it is going to be kind of something that ties in with my artist reboot stuff too, because it is relevant. So, um, I am collecting footage when I go out and run and things like that. And, uh, before my race, I'm going to kind of show the process of what it's like to literally get off the couch and train for an ultra marathon. So, um, please support that as well if you would like. But if you don't want to, eh, whatever. I'm still going to be making the video. So thank you always for listening. And don't forget, be kind to one another. Peace.